Hi, my name is Branko Melodic, and you are listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you from the Architecture and Design Network. Today, I am delighted to begin the first of five podcasts in our 2022 residential series, proudly brought to you in association with Coroma. With over 80 years experience, a team at Coroma believe quality bathrooms are a balance of form, function and looks. Designed and engineered by Australians for Australians with different tastes and needs, Coroma has a wide range of classic to artisanal styles, smart designs, sustainable innovations, providing your projects with everything you need. Visit coroma.com.au to learn more. In today's podcast... We talk with Kim Chadwick all about colour. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Kim Chadwick is the Director of Australian Trend Forecast and the creator of the Designer Colour Wheel. During 30 years in the industry, Kim has chosen color, chosen the colours rather of the inherently Australian corrugated roofs for Colourbond, hand-selected colours for Wattle and Dulux, created bathrooms for Laminix, curated complete house solutions for brickworks, building products, developed style guides for office works and, and trends for Australia. She has written trends columns the, uh, for the Paint Quality Institute, published trend forecasts for colorways, won best standard design X for Caesarstone and overall best renovation and addition HIA Victoria for her own home. So welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Kim Chadwick. Thank you very much, Branko. Lovely to be here. Um, and by the way, that was that was the short version of your bio. I could have gone for much longer, but you know, we we, we only got we only got uh, you know an, an hour here. So today we're going to talk about a few things. I guess like the science of colouring in home design, the importance and role of colours, understanding colour theory and, and selection, using colours for outcomes, and integrating colour selection with other design elements, and of course, twenty twenty two colour trends. But why don't we start with actually defining what exactly is colour? That's a big question. (laughs) Basically, colour is light. When there's no light, there is no colour. Okay. So um, that gorgeous thing that we call sunlight um, that lights up our world uh, comes into our eyes and hits a few rods and a few cones, flips around and uh, has a chat to our brain and we perceive colours as a result of that. Um, but essentially, yeah, colour is wavelengths of the visible spectrum. Okay. Which is, yeah, uh, there's a lot of wavelengths that we can't see. So UV or infrared, you right. know, radio waves, X, X, uh, X-rays. and <laughs> um, But there's that little portion in between that the human eye can see, and that's the, uh, the rainbow, the visual colour spectrum. Okay. Yeah, you said sunlight. Sorry, I'm from Sydney. I don't know what that is anymore. But um, <laughs> so, like, what then is colour psychology? Because that's that's a fairly important thing, isn't it? Look, colour psychology is, um, and it, it's the way that that, that colour impacts, I suppose, on on human emotions or um, even our behaviour. Um, it's how we react to colour, how colour affects us. And there's, you know, obviously general um, uh, rules for colour psychology, how certain colours make us behave, but it's at the same time, it's quite an individual 
uh, reaction to, to the world around us. And, you know, if we go back to the way we used to live, um, Indigenous people, I mean, they lived outside. They lived um, with the natural, you know, circadian rhythms of when the sun rises and when the sun sets and therefore the varying and changing colours all day and the varying changing colours of of the seasons. Um, So it's it's our response in nature, really. But then on a more scientific side, uh, colours are different wavelengths and vibrate at a different frequency and um, do affect our emotional state. That's interesting you say that. So that's a bit like when they say you have the blues, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're saying, you know, you're, you're a bit down, right? So I see red. So something, you know, when you, when you get upset. Um, Absolutely. Well, I see red is, um, you know, red's a very powerful colour. It's the longest wavelength at about 700 nanometers. Right. It's always on the top of the rainbow because of that scientific fact. Um, but it's it's got the most energy. Uh, it's also you know known for passion and aggression and warning in terms of stop signs. It grabs our attention like Coca Cola Red um, or the you know the McDonald's uh, Red. Um, you know it's passionate, but it, it's also it, it physically stimulates us. So it speeds us up. You'll see red at a lot of restaurants, you know, particularly, say, Chinese restaurants because it increases and stimulates your appetite. Oh, there you go. And it can make you more aggressive. It's, you know, it's that power-dressing red jacket and or the red car. And um, I'm not exactly sure where I've got this stat from, but uh, people who drive red cars get more dense, and scratches and the horns get blasted more at people in red cars than people who say drive green cars. Not that many people drive green cars anymore. Uh, but people are more aggressive to red car drivers on the road. Uh, that sounds like something that, that, that came from Twitter, actually. But no, <laughs> that would not surprise me um, because the, would, would that be possible? And with what you said, with going back to the Chinese restaurant um, uh, example, would that be also possible because red is so noticeable and green may not be so noticeable? Does that, that have something to do with that? Um, apparently because uh, red is the longest wavelength, it takes our mind a little bit more time to... Uh, it, green is the easiest. It sits in the middle of the colour spectrum. Uh-huh, okay. And it's, you know, essentially and fundamentally the, the colour of, of nature uh, and survival and growth. Um, so does red jump out more perhaps than green? Maybe we see it faster because um, it's, it's, it's bigger and bolder. Uh, or is it because red guys are more, mainly guys, I'd say drive red cars are jerks. I happen to have a red car, by the way, so I could say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, that's actually, so then... There's the issue of colour that affects well-being, doesn't it? I mean, very much. It, you know, there's um, so I, what did I what did I read somewhere? There is uh, again, I, I I think I've got this off the internet as well, right? So, but there is somewhere there is an, in um in a silent, you know, in, in, you know, in 
rehab or mental assault or whatever whatever we want to call them. I'm not sure is it is it yellow that that can't be used. Pink wall, the pale pink wall in prison to um, calm down inmates. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. Look, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? It's you don't think about colour that way, do you? When you you walk into a room and you see, I don't know, a wall, right? It's got a let's say a feature wall. Back in, back in the old days, right? We used to have back in the old nineties feature wall. There you go, a maroon feature wall, okay? Oh. Or mid Brunswick green. So um, you don't really think about it that much, do you? But there is a, it could be sort of how do I say playing on your on your on your feelings and emotions, yeah? Boy, it's a big it's a big topic. I mean, we see if we take a feature wall, we see color as a solid block. Right. A lot of the time, um, but even that solid block changes colours continuously throughout the day. In terms of colour psychology, there's uh, well Steiner would use um, a mottled colour in his schools, so um, in a learning environment to create depth to that wall rather than a solid flat colour. And most natural materials are you know are mottled. Um, and they've, they've got depth. So there's there's different elements, you know, in a room, in a space that really do affect our, our psychological um, reaction to that space. So one might well be a, a, a feature wall colour, um, but it's, it's, it really is how colours and surfaces are used together. So if we look at, at colour like music, when we use colours together, Okay, that's actually, that's a good analogy. So, okay, so you spend a lot of time thinking about colour and how they go together, right? That's really, I do. That's really what your, your whole life's about, isn't it? So <laughs> explain to, to me and, 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 and their listeners uh, the theories behind the colour, well, the, the ideas behind the colour theory and selection. So, and, it, you know, in, in terms of, let's say, residential and or commercial i mean i assume i assume there's there's different different um ways you look at it in, in, in different types of buildings but yeah please explain absolutely look it's, it's the volume of the space it's where the the sun is and you know the windows are uh many things impact on on a space um but generally Basic colour theory is all around us and if we use those principles uh, we can always balance uh, a room harmoniously. If we take a, a, a triadic colour scheme, for example, three colours that are equal distance um, right. on the colour wheel, uh, we take the three primaries, red, uh, yellow and blue. Um, you know, we can look at yellow and, and oranges per se as timber and okay. balance that with a little bit of red, a little bit of blue, and it doesn't have to be bright red, doesn't have to be bright blue. It could be a, a cool grey, okay. a grey with a cool, you know, undertone in terms of the blue and, um, you know, a little pop of red just for a highlight. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes we walk into rooms, though, and they're discordant, like a, you know, a bum note in a, in a musical chord. <laughs> And, you know, certain colours in combination uh, jar with each other. Which of those and why? 
Why do they jar with each other? That, 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 that's actually really interesting. Um, I mean, okay, you, you're talking to someone who doesn't know how to call and that he shirt and tie, so you have to explain it very simply. But why, why, why is that? Well, again, it's, it's the, the, you know, the science and the, the maths behind colour wavelengths. Um, and it's also about proportion, the proportion of a colour used. I mean, really, there's, there's no hard and fast rules, but certain colours have a natural relationship to each other and will effortlessly work together due to the way that they're, they're laid out on the colour wheel. Um, this is a, a little bit of a, a side note, but there's a, uh, an incredible man. His name is Neil Harbison and he's a cyborg. The reason he is a cyborg is he has an antenna attached. Oh, yeah, I, I think I know you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because he was born, um, I'm going to get the name wrong, but basically in an achromatic world, he's, there's no colour. He sees everything in grey. Okay. So he's learned to hear colour. Okay. So that's interesting. It's it's fascinating. Please look him up on YouTube. Um, but he 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 can see through his um, through his little antenna he, uh, the color and it translates into a musical note. And of course, we don't see colors. You know, the world isn't just one solid color. So uh, he he sees colors in harmony as well. Um, and one thing that I found really interesting was when he, he dresses now for his mood or, his, or for the event. So if he goes to a funeral, he'll wear um, orange, green and purple, which are triadic colours, because to him it makes a B minor chord, which sounds quite, you know, sad and, and melancholic. <laughs> um, but those three colours too we see as villains. So you think of the Joker or... Yeah. Is it uh, Bewitched, Sam, Samantha's mum, Andorra? That's right, yeah. She always wore those three colours, but they have a natural relationship to each other. Explain to me a bit, since, since you know, I haven't got one in front of me, explain to me a bit about the colour wheel. So well, the colour wheel um, basically is, uh, it takes the three primaries, the three secondaries and the six tertiary colours and lays them out in a wheel which is basically the rainbow um, and it was Isaac Newton back in uh, 1660s that uh, put a white beam of light through a prism and that refracted into the colours of the rainbow. Back then he thought there were seven colours because there were seven musical notes and he felt that that would have a, a correlation but uh, it's been brought back to, to six colours uh, with indigo just falling in between, you know, blue and violet um, as the basics. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is the natural, that they're the, the colours of sunlight that, that the eye can see. And so when we put them in a circle, we start with the three primary colours and gets a, you know, there's, there's pigment colours and there's light colours. So when we're talking light, it's RGB or red, green and blue. Pigment is blue, yellow and red when we put pigment or paint onto a surface. So let's work in pigment for now, but um, those three colours are equal distance um, away from each other on the colour wheel or triadic, mm -hmm. but then there's colours directly opposite each other as well. 
So red and green. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, opposite each other and have a natural balance. Blue and orange, the same, and purple and yellow. So when we get complementary colours, if we mix them together, they'll they'll, they'll, uh, neutralise each other and we end up with the neutral palette. The primary colours together, you end up with, you know, black. But with light, it's the opposite. It's um, it's an additive system. So when we add all the the primary colours of light together, we end up with white. But there's other relationships as well. So complementary, uh, opposite each other. Split complementary are the colours either side of a colour's complement. And in terms of interior split complementary, colours um, are always very successful and very balanced. They're, you know, they're harmonious. There's analogous colours, which are colours side by side on the colour wheel because every colour blends into the next. So if there's red and yellow, we mix them together, we get orange in the middle. But we also get, you know, orange, yellow, and then you know, yellow, green, 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 blue, blue. And so by mixing them all together, we get a continuous spectrum of colour. And that's that's based on the hue. But of course, colour's not two-dimensional, it's three-dimensional. So the other dimensions of colour um, are value and saturation or chroma. Okay. So the, the intensity of the colour uh, is one element and also the value, the lightness or the darkness of the colour. Okay, so that, that actually goes straight, that actually affects interior design, doesn't it? So how does colour psychology actually uh, influence interior design? I mean, when you're asked to design something, a room, a place, whatever, how does colour psychology Guide you. You know, any space for me, it's always relating it back to the location and the environment, and taking a lot of color cues from the natural world, um, because then it will, you know, harmoniously just be balanced and be blended. But uh, you know, a lot of what what we do, we don't work in pure colors. It's 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 neutrals. Um, you know. We've got cool whites and warm whites and cool greys and warm greys. Um, so a lot of what we, you know, a, a lot of interiors really come down to that neutral palette. But under every single neutral colour is an undertone. Either, you know, could be a, a green neutral, a red neutral, a yellow neutral. Um, so the theory remains the same. Uh, at the moment, there's a big greening of, of, of interiors and greening of colour as undertones. Um, so we still need to, you know, it, it could be a slightly green, grey, um, and it's still balancing uh, the basic colour theory uh, with the neutrals palettes and working with natural materials as well. As I said earlier, you know, timbers are inherently orange based and they'll always work with blue it doesn't have to be bright blue it could be a cool gray with a blue undertone um so it's just applying the color theory to a space look that's interesting so so you use colors for certain outcomes yeah or combinations of colors is is that is that that what i'm hearing that what you're saying you're actually using them 
combinations of, of colors or, or get a certain outcome in a certain for a certain design um, element yeah Absolutely. yes with color as well you can really um, manipulate the the space in terms of the size or the scale of the space uh, there's some basic color theory in terms of advancing colors and receding colors so cool colors blues greens and purples recede so they look like they're further away from us which such as the sky you know it looks far away um, and that does have the potential to make a room feel bigger where warm colors reds yellows oranges advance they advance towards the eye and that can make something feel closer and cozier um, but there's always you know different variations to that rule. Uh, bright colors will also advance. Light colors will recede. Muted colors will recede. Dark colors will advance. So, so we use you know, the tonal uh, and the value of colors as well as their, their brightness or chroma um, in combination with cool and warm colors to manipulate a spatial sense within a room. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We are indebted to Karoma, whose sponsorship of the 2022 residential series makes all this possible. The Liano II Basin Collection by Karoma encapsulates the best of Australian design and engineering, combining Karoma's expertise with refined, minimalist design appeal in a choice of colour options. Elevate your bathroom design with a choice of two unique designs in a range of practical formats, each available in seven color finishes, custom finished to suit a variety of styles. So visit karoma.com.au and explore the collection. And now it's back to the show. What colors would you never use in an office that you would use in a house and vice versa? Well, when I say house, I mean residential. It doesn't have to be a house or apartment or whatever. Which I think we'll we'll go back to red. I mean, red's a difficult one to use in an office. Okay. Because we want everyone to be a little bit calmer and um, not so aggressive and fired up. You know, it may well be used as a, 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 you know, a spot of colour in the kitchen or, you know, in, in, in deeper tones in the bedroom. At the moment, you know, green is is very, very common in, in office spaces uh, for its sense of, of calming and renewal, <clears throat> excuse me, and, um, and balance. There's no rules. People have a very personal uh, response to, to colour okay. as well. And, but when, when we're talking about an office space with uh, obviously many people working and interacting together, uh, it really is trying just to keep that balanced and harmonious. Um, but most importantly, we're just seeing so many more natural materials being used in interiors and even external um, products and materials coming inside for their texture and their natural, uh, their inherent colour. Okay, what about bathrooms? What, what colours would you never use in a bathroom? Just out of interest because I've seen... Um, in, in my role in the magazine, I see some very, very strange 
uh, cold bathrooms. But anyway, I'll you're the expert, so you tell me. Oh God! <laughs> oh look, I mean bathrooms are getting bigger, and they're yeah. becoming the wellness room and the meditation room, and you know they might be extended into the gymnasium and the the fitness uh, room as well. They're about health and well being, so um, you know generally we'll see a lot of you know soft blues, soft greens, soft neutrals, um, even you know sort of coffee, caramelly, skin-toned colours as well. Um, so, again, no red in a bathroom <laughs> if you want to feel cleansed in water. Um, water is life. Water is associated with, you know, when growing plants. So soft greens work, blues work, and, and neutrals. But, you know, possibly stay away from bright yellows and uh, reds and bright oranges, a little bit of, you know, soft timbers always work. <laughs> what about a black bathroom, which I saw recently, like the whole bathroom was like black? What do you say about that? Well, I, I didn't know getting, getting the soap scum off would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I just I just found it very weird. But but this is a this is a the issue of colour and whether it being I'll mention bathrooms again, but it doesn't have to be bathrooms in, in any way. Change, has changed over the years, hasn't it? Like, I know uh, a friend of mine, she owns a, um, I guess, a federation home, I guess you, you, you'd call it, uh, and her bathroom um, is uh, watermelon and and um, Bombay ivory. You know, and it's it's very, very, I don't know, very, very oldie world, I guess, is, is the word you, you describe. But those colour combinations, whether we talk about residential, whether we talk even commercial, they've changed over the past, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 years or whatever, haven't they? They have very much. And all, all of our colour preferences change over time. Um, <laughs> and every, every decade and every era is defined by the colour palettes that they use at the time. Um, we used to have very colourful bathrooms uh the the um all the porcelain you know they were in pinks and greens yellows if we go back to the 40s uh and then a lot of alabaster and um ivory colors as you're saying um and then of course recently it's it's been white 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh but we're getting back to some color again for our vanities and for our you know our sinks um colour in the tapware, mainly metals, but uh, we're certainly seeing a re-emergence of, of colour in, in the sanitary items and the sanitary ware, you know, black um, coloured concretes, yeah. terrazzos, um, the bench tops. And so it's, it's, it's coming back, but, but we always cycle, all trends cycle constantly. Okay. So it's a bit like fashion, then, yeah. So, um, what drives this? These changes, um, like, and, and, and by the way, who makes this change? Like, like, is, is that you sitting on sitting on a very large chair somewhere on a, on, on a around a very long table? You know, make, you know, making making you know, um, uh, what's the, what's the word? Um, dictating to the world what colours they use. But seriously, who makes these changes, and, and why do these changes come, um, come about? It's all observation. There will always be someone out there that does something new 
um, in a building, um, you know, in a restaurant, they'll design a fantastic bathroom and that'll get photographed and put into the magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we start to see po- things pop up around the world um, that are similar, uh, you know, we can identify new trends emerging. And many, there's many drivers of trends. Um, certainly architects and designers are the, the main drivers of new trends. Uh, but it's also about, you know, products and um, sustainability of those products, potentially um, building techniques and, and methods, you know, materiality changes, mm-hmm. um, our, just, just where we are in the world, um, whether it be economics or politics or natural disasters, uh, it all affects our 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 mood and the way we want to live in a home. I mean, COVID has had massive, a massive impact on uh, how we're looking at our homes and how we will design our homes uh, in the future. Okay. Rather than big open spaces, we'll, we'll come back to smaller, um, more flexible spaces. And that affects your colour choices, doesn't it? When you, it does. when you, when you're, changing the, the open space or the, or whether you, you, you've turned your whole home into a series of cubicles. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That would change your, your choice of colours, wouldn't it? It does. It does because we're, we're, we're going to be looking at smaller spaces, much, much greater integration with the outdoors, indoor-outdoor spaces, and uh, wanting uh, more nature inside. The, you know, obviously biophilia is a very strong... Uh, trend and you know forest bathing. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Sorry, forest bathing. Oh, forest bathing. It's an ex big thing. I'm just trying to remember the Japanese name for it. Um, Shin, I think it's Shin Rin Yoku, something like that. Pod, uh, apologies, but it's the uh, the the measurable difference uh, to our well being that we feel when we're in nature. So it's actually bathing in the forest. Is that what yeah, they go bathing in the forest. They they um, started it in Japan in the eighties because people were literally working themselves to death. Yeah, and so companies identified this and would take them out into the great outdoors and into nature. Um, I've lived in Tokyo, and there's you know there's five parks, <laughs> but in between there's a lot of you know apartments and trains and and offices. So um, to, to go out and to be with plants and to be in the forest and to smell the, you know, the aromatherapy oils from the, the plant leaves and from the forest, um, it lowered blood pressure, reduced, you know, cardiovascular disease and um, reduced stress. Uh, and we are now all doing that, you know, it, it's the indoor plant has come back. Yeah. back in the 70s, but, you know, architecture in the 70s really did incorporate indoor-outdoor living in its design yes. fundamentally. And uh, we're, we're realising the importance of, of that again to, to bring nature indoors or to have that interaction with nature uh, within buildings. We're certainly seeing it in commercial buildings um, with more outdoor spaces, green rooftops, uh, indoor plants, and, um, you know, 
growing plants in, in internally in the kitchens um, because it makes us feel better and it makes us more productive and it keeps us calmer and um, it's all about our well-being and our wellness. In terms of well, the designs that you've done throughout your career, in terms of colour, what's been the easiest, um, you know, structure, building, room, whatever, to come up with a colour scheme? And what's been the hardest? I mainly work with the manufacturers to deliver to them a, um, a, a palette of products or a palette of colours for the consumer. And whether it's the, you know, someone building a house or an architect that, you know, hasn't designed a building yet uh, to make sure products are available in a timely manner. So I think one of my uh, favourite projects um, back with Wattle and I worked with the fantastic Mary Lou Cafaro back in, um, in those days was to convince Wattle that offering fewer colours was a better outcome for consumers than offering 2,056, whatever, you know, the, the offer was from Jewelux at the time. Because yeah. that's overwhelming and that's stressful. So we, we brought their, their colour guide down to 96 colours. Okay. And uh, each page was a different palette of colours and people naturally uh, preferred one page to another but all the colours on that page coordinated and they couldn't really go wrong. They were, you know, coordinated colours and everyone could pretty much design or paint any house, any commercial space um, with, with the, the palette offered at the time. So it's simplifying uh, colour palettes, uh, offering less, not more in many situations. So that was a, that was... Um, I think fundamental philosophy going forward. It's in terms of the hardest. It's a long list. It's a long list. <laughs> the the hardest thing I find is when someone asks me what's the latest color and what's the latest color trend. <laughs> really, that half because there's never ever one, and it's a continuous cycle, and it depends on you know the the project, the material, the uh, <laughs> the client. Um, the outcome. So, you know, there's no hard and fast rules, but there there certainly are trends that um, are ongoing. I suppose the hardest is to try to convince a company to delete a product that used to be a bestseller. Mm -hmm. That move between the the coffees and the lattes and the espressos and the mochas um, into the the, the next dec decade of grey. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Look, no, you you can't have. 10 brown colours and two greys. You've got to flip it. <laughs> and it's time to delete and develop. It's funny you say that, Kim, because my, my last question was going to be, what are some of the 2022 colour trends? Um, you know, we can make them up if you want, but look, I'm sure there there is, well, I'm sure you know that what is over the, excuse the pun, over the rainbow, Um <laughs> Yeah, um, because but because you have to, right? I mean, you, you have to sort of know what's coming up. So in terms of what we say, let's, let's say next year, even 2023, I guess, we're, we're already in the, almost halfway through the, through the third month of 22. Um, what are some of the trends that you think, at least, will 
be big maybe summer this year and and and, and, and autumn next year <laughs> look all these trends move slowly and constantly um evolve but We've had a massive uh, love affair of black. You mentioned the black bathroom before and black houses and black roofs and black bricks and black interiors. Um, and that's going to have a limited scope. Certainly in, in some, some situations we can continue with black, but with, with um, you know, climate change and the agenda, particularly at the moment with the New South Wales government, um, banning black roofs in the future to meet to um, sorry to reach um, climate uh, goals. Um, that's really going to change the the look and feel of how we design our houses. To to you can't just put a white roof on a black house or even you know a red brick house. It's not going to look great. So the walls of houses are going to have to change with the roofs of houses um, to meet new legislation. So we, we might go black inside, but unlikely. So we're going to see a, a, a lot of lighter colours and a lot of lighter building materials enter the market just for the, 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 you know, the cooling effect of them. Obviously, white reflects all colours. Black absorbs all colours. So it's always going to um, be hotter than white. Um, I think everyone just is stressed at the moment and concerned mm -hmm. and rightfully so in the world we live in. Um, so we will definitely see more greens uh, and calming, soothing colours. It doesn't have to be bright green again, but just really, you know, earthy, um, greyed off versions of many different greens just as a, a, a psychological effect um, I think to, to help calm and reconnect with with mother nature uh, with the earth you know having some respect back from planet earth um, on top of that given that uh, I think economically and politically everyone is stressed um, it's also the time when we get more involved in colour. We want more colour around us to cheer us up. So we've just come out of a, you know, a very stable period of time where grey was strong and we saw a lot of grey back in the 80s as well. But then, you know, when there's a little bit of upheaval, people want to cheer themselves up and they do tend to get more pattern, more colour, more decorative elements in their environment just as a, something to, to make them happy. So we'll see, you know... I think some, some brighter colours, you know, we might have 12 months of fluoros popping back in again. After that, it's too blinding, thank God, and people get rid of them. But they, they seem to pop up every now, you know, once a decade. Um, but some brighter, cheerier, happier colours, more prints, uh, more textiles, more handmade objects and items. Um, Obviously, things that, that, that are renewed or, or, or fixed. Um, so, yeah, maybe, yeah, I think that will all be balanced with brighter colours. Uh, and we'll, we'll get, certainly get some warmer colours back in after the, the, uh, the decade of grey, just to make us feel a little bit cosier and more secure. 
I dare say, Kim, you've uh, brightened my day. <laughs> Kim Chadwick, Australia's favourite colour queen. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Branko. This has been Branko Melitic, and thank you for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you from the Architecture and Design Network. Thank you once again to today's guest, Kim Chadwick and Karoma, proud sponsors of our 2022 Residential Design Series. Be sure to check them out at karoma.com.au. You can also head over to architectureanddesign.com.au for all the latest industry news, projects, people, and much, much more. So see you next time.